Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 66. Today we'll be talking with Gary Kinder. Gary is a celebrated author, educator, and founder of WordRake. Our conversation focuses on why your writing matters more today and its impact on prospects, customers, and brand reputation. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. Hey, Shai, have you ever received an email from a company executive that was so poorly written you were actually embarrassed for them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely received emails like that. And I think that there have been times where, unfortunately, I've sent emails like that or, or even someone from my own organization has sent an email like that. And it's just mortifying when that happens. Yeah, when you're looking at something you sent a, a week ago, you're going, did I write that? <laughs> that was so bad. You know, <laughs> you're concerned about you know your personal brand, your professional brand. And when you're a leader of an organization, a representative of the company at a high level, it sort of sets the standard of what's being written within your organization and what may end up outside the company and the business and represent the company's image. Yeah, and you know, writing is this thing that's evolved in such an interesting way through the technology we use and the ways that we communicate now. A recent book that comes to mind is MicroStyle, The Art of Writing Little. It's by Christopher Johnson. And, you know, Chris talks about in this book about crafting verbal messages and how some of the most important things that we craft are the shortest, like headlines. Think about taglines for your business or company mantras, bullet points, tweets, right? (laughs) And this is how a lot of our communication flows through the day. So it's almost like we have this disconnect between when are we writing informally and when are we really writing something more formal. Something that really has an effect. Writing such a social skill, it's a business skill, it's a communication skill for moving our brand and our agenda forward. And it lasts forever. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the other terrifying thing is it does have an indefinite shelf life now, you know. So and I think that your style, your writing style matters and the quality of your writing matters a lot, even if it is in this more casual way, just because of what you're talking about, Craig, because it is going to be around. And it's a primary form of communication, of course. So it is something that we know is a big concern for the business owners out there, not just in their own, how they're putting themselves forward and how they're putting their brand forward, but also how their team members are communicating with the rest of the world. Yeah, and it just so happens our guest here today is Gary Kinder. Gary has spent decades writing three major bestseller books while teaching over 1,000 writing programs to law firms, corporations, universities, and writers' conferences. Along the way, he created WordRake, the only software that edits texts for clarity and brevity. Today, over 7,000 businesses, government agencies, and universities now use WordRake worldwide. Good morning, Gary. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Morning yourself, Craig. It's uh, nice to hear uh, your voice, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Great to have you on the show. Gary, what led you to focus on writing as a life journey? Oh, gosh, I wish I could tell you a story about how I was the kid in the neighborhood who, you know, created the first neighborhood newsletter and that kind of thing. But 
I had no interest in writing at all until I got out of law school. And while I was in law school, I taught at the College of Journalism. This is at the University of Florida. And then uh, when I graduated, I was offered a job teaching in the writing program at the law school, which I did for a short while. And uh, that was while I was studying for the Florida Bar. But after I got the results from that, I really didn't want to practice law just yet. I figured I was uh, 25 years old. I had another 50 years to practice law or more. And I figured there were other things that I wanted to do in the meantime, just for a year or so. And so I had never seen snow. And I decided I wanted to go to a ski area and learn how to ski. And I ended up in a place called Sun Valley, Idaho, which is just a stunning, stunning place. And I loved it so much. I I stayed that first winter, and then I stayed the summer, and then another winter, another summer. I ended up living there for 16 years. But while I was in Sun Valley, I was working as a part-time prosecutor, meaning one day a week. I went down to the courthouse and I tried cases like deer poaching and drunk drivers. It was a, a pretty tame county. Um, and five days a week, I was a bellman in the Sun Valley Lodge. I finally started writing as a hobby, as something I'd never considered. I mean, it became an obsession. Other writers will be able to identify with this. It's not that I chose writing. It's like writing chose me and I couldn't let go of it. And I just started writing getting published in smaller magazines and then actually pretty quickly got published in bigger national magazines and started a book and got my book sold and published and I never looked back and I love to this day I love to do it and uh, when I've got a little bit of downtime I, I love being alone and writing. Gary, you know, you've published three very successful books, all, I think, within the category of investigative journalism. And I'm curious, how did you get drawn to this and how did that process inform what you do now? When I was living in Sun Valley and started writing, you know, you just write about stuff. I was writing little scenes about skiing and that sort of thing. And someone introduced me to Tom Wolfe. We wrote Bonfire of the Vanities and The Right Stuff and so many other wonderful, wonderful books and articles. And his book was called The New Journalism, and it was an anthology of a lot of examples of the new journalism. And in the new journalism, you go out and you research and you experience and you interview Armies of the Night, Norman Mailer's famous book, I think that won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize. He participated in marches on Washington, and this idea of actually participating in a story and learning something new that I you know, just knew nothing about before some area of life just fascinated me. And the other part of that that fascinated me is I thought I wanted just to write novels, but this was a way to write as a novelist, but things that actually did happen and that I could document, because in the new journalism as you point out, investigative journalism, new journalism, narrative nonfiction, it's all the same thing. What you do there is go out and research all of what happened in various ways, including historical research. I didn't mention that one. And then you put it all together using what some people might call novel or fictional techniques. That whole idea of actually participating and then being able to use really good writing techniques, not just writing it like an essay, is what fascinated me about this investigative journalism and specifically the new journalism. 
My third book that I think is probably the best of the three was called Ship of Gold in the Deep Blue Sea, and that involved a lot of historical research, it involved a lot of interviewing, and it involved a lot of experiencing. It was all the things that go together to be a new journalist. And first of all, a ship sank in 1857 carrying a lot of gold on it from the California Gold Rush. And there were 600 people on the ship, and they rescued altogether about 100. And that's a very dramatic story. You got all the women and children off. A few men survived. But 425 men died, the biggest disaster at sea in American history. And then everything just, of course, just disappeared when the ship went down, this big side wheel steamer. But the rest of the story is about a genius from Ohio named Tommy Thompson, who figured out how to work on the bottom of the deep ocean, which at the time, no one, including the U.S. Navy, knew how to do. And he developed this new technology. They went to the bottom, they found the ship, and they recovered most of the gold. But I had to go out on the ship twice, and it's 200 miles offshore. It's not a fun place to be. But being out on the ship and seeing how they do, it just broadens you. For me, it's so fascinating to learn. In that case, I was learning about technology and about the deep ocean and, and about how you form a company. And in fact, we have a lot of people at MBA schools like Columbia and Virginia have used Ship of Gold and Deep Blue Sea as a textbook on uh, a startup company, how to be an entrepreneur, which this guy was the epitome of entrepreneurs. So I learned about all those kinds of things. And then how did what you learned about writing that book, the research for Ship of Gold, was that the inspiration for you to then start your own company? It wasn't the inspiration for it. I never had any intention of starting a company. It's like I had no intention of becoming a writer. It just happened. But I certainly have used what I'd learned about investors and about things that you can do and things you shouldn't do with a small company and that it takes a very long time to get a small company off the ground. One of our investors today calls it mindshare. It's not just competition with other people who might be doing something similar to what you're doing, but it is trying to get the mindshare of the average person out there and they're busy people. They've got kids and parents and their own jobs and businesses and interests, and trying to break into that is difficult, and it takes a long time. You have to be prepared for that. There are certain things that appear to be true on the surface that really aren't true, and you have to dig through that, find your way. But I learned a lot from writing Ship of Gold about how to start a, a company, how to be an entrepreneur, and how not to give up. Gary, what has happened to the quality of our written communications over the years and what you've observed over recent times, and what can we do about it? I get asked this a lot, Craig, as you can imagine. It's an interesting question, and I think that we have to look at the, the question first. There was a lot of really, really fine writing today. Some of the books that, that are coming out are as good as anything that we've ever had, going back with all the classics. But you know, the tweeting and the texting and uh, smiley faces and all of that kind of stuff. It definitely has affected the quality of our writing because we start getting used to that. And when we get used to it, it starts to sound right to us. And when everybody around us is doing it, what happens if you have a website or let's say you're a financial planner or a real estate appraiser, and you send out a monthly newsletter, or you write something on your website as a blog, 
If you have grammar slips and typos, people will assume, and this is unfair, I realize, but they will assume that you are not a good appraiser and you know nothing about financial planning. And you might be brilliant at both of those things. The example I always use is if you go to web pages looking for a plumber and you see a website that is clean, it's intelligently written, it doesn't have to be eloquent, it doesn't have to be the old man in the sea, but it's intelligently written and there are no typos, there are no grammatical slips in it. And then you look at another website for another plumber and it's poorly written, there are typos, sentence fragments, grammar slips, tenses don't agree you will automatically assume that the first plumber is a better plumber. And again, it's totally false. I mean, we don't know, but it's the impression it creates when we write and interface with the public. And that is why the writing is really important. And besides the uh, grammar, the other really important thing is to get rid of words that are not conveying meaning. And that is something else that developed when I was teaching is showing people almost a mechanical way of getting rid of words that are not conveying meaning. The problem with looking at our own writing is we get too close to it. I get too close to my writing. I will see words in my writing that aren't there, but I don't see that they're not there. An objective editor coming along will see that a word's missing and that editor will put the word in. There will be words that I just don't need in there, but I can't see them. I can't tell which words those are. So I get just tired, physically tired, mentally tired. I look at something I've written so many times that I can't see what's really there. And sometimes I just don't know to look for it in the first place. I'm presenting myself now as every man out there, every woman out there. I don't have the background to give me the tools that I need to recognize these things and to make my writing better. The software that we've developed at WordRake, you know, it never gets tired. It doesn't eat much. It's available 24-7. You buy a subscription for one year, and it comes down literally to less than pennies a day. And this software, you can push a button, and it will ripple through in seconds what you've written a whole lot faster than a human editor, and it will see things that even human editors can't see. We can teach Wordrake things that no editor can possibly keep in their mind. All of these edits, and it gets into the quintillions of edits that are just swarming around within the software, but it acts as a collaborator. So we write something, we hit the rate button, it edits it in seconds, and we like 90, 95% of the edits. We click accept on those. And then what I found happens, and this is reported from people who use WordRake, they will see an edit WordRake was trying to make, and the edit is off just a little bit. We're dealing with over 200,000 English words and all their permutations. And the person will see what this uh, software was trying to do, and they will then make the edit themselves. Or this happens frequently because of the edits that WordRake suggests the sentence now becomes shorter, more succinct, and the writer will see things in that sentence now because their attention was drawn to it that they can make even better. WordRake didn't see those things, but now this person is seeing those things, this writer. So in that way, it acts as a collaboration, and that's what we really need. And I think at this point, 
other than bringing in a writing instructor every few months to teach courses. There are all kinds of ways that you can solve some of these problems. But the one that's just steady is to have uh, software like WordDrake. And WordDrake is the only software in the world that does what we do, which is look for the signs and has algorithms in it that will help a writer spot unnecessary words and therefore get the clutter out of their writing to make it more clear and concise. Gary, as a business owner, how do you, in addition to having wonderful software, which I'm sure you deploy throughout your own business systems (laughs) with your employees, how do you manage their communication from a brand perspective and from the way you're communicating with the public? This is one of the biggest issues, not necessarily a problem, but it's something that I have to stay on top of constantly because we're not selling uh, lawn care equipment. We are selling ourselves as being excellent writers. And so everything we do should be written as well as anyone could possibly write it. You know, I write weekly writing tips. They go out on every Wednesday. It's all free. But it's another aspect of writing that might include grammar. It might include something entirely different than specifically grammar. It could be word usage. It could be be something taken from a screenplay and lessons we learn from writing screenplays. But we send these tips out. And I go over and over and over and over these tips, and I make them so tight and make sure everything's grammatically correct and rake them. And yet, once in a while, there'll be a slip in there. I'll say something incorrectly. It's just that, especially in business, especially when we're interfacing with the public, we have to make sure that our writing is as clean, clear, and grammatically correct as we can make it. We're always going to make a mistake. We can't get too uptight about this. Just that when we as a small business interface with the public, and because of what I've talked about earlier, whether you're a plumber or you're a real estate appraiser or you're a financial planner, you interface with the public and they will judge you according to how you write. Gary, thank you for joining us today. It's been a really informative session. Uh, Craig, I've really enjoyed it myself. You and Shai ask uh, very evocative questions, and uh, it's fun to talk about writing. It's fun to talk about uh, looking back myself and, and seeing my own journey uh, as a writer as well as a teacher and then as a, an entrepreneur and small business owner. It's really been fun. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience today? Sure. You can contact me at Gary K at WordDrake.com. You also can visit our website. It's WordDrake.com. You also can subscribe to the writing tips at WordDrake.com. You'll see in the top ribbon there, you just go to writing tips and you go down the right side and it'll just say subscribe and you'll receive a new tip every Wednesday. Try to make them fun and interesting to read as well as imparting a lesson. And also on that same website, uh, WordDrake.com, you can sign up for a free trial of WordDrake. It's a seven-day free trial. Wait till you've got something important to send off. And you'll see it downloads literally in seconds. You're up and running. And once you create something in a Word document or an Outlook, it's available in both. Once you've created that document, all you do is hit the rate button. You literally punch one button and it ripples through in seconds and will suggest words that you can get rid of for a a tighter message. Our guest today has been Gary Kinder. You can learn more about Gary along with additional information and a special link to Gary's seven-day free trial to WordRake. 
all in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business at aligned4business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.